Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. It's been another busy week, to the point where I had something entirely else that I was going to plan to talk about with you today, but that's been delayed for a couple of days, hopefully only a couple of days. Anyway, we've seen the suppression of a traditional monastic order in France for the offense of one of their members receiving ordination, quote-unquote, illicitly, meeting without the permission of the local bishop. This has caused quite a dispute between the Benedictine monks in question and Bishop Ray. It also points to a huge problem that most of us are rather familiar with, a false sense of obedience and false fidelity to the personage of the Pope and to the particular bishop. This is demanded of us at all times. Today, I'll give you the latest short statement from Father Elkowin Reed on his so-called illicit ordination, and we'll also go over this false sense of duty that has been distorted in our time. We can call it the spirit of Vatican I if you like, since others have started calling it exactly that. Let's dive into this a little further. The Croix Magazine Online is the official news voice of the bishops of France, and that becomes pretty obvious when they issue false and misleading articles like this one. Headline, Bishop closes Alcuin Reed's quote-unquote monastery in southern France. Bishop Dominique Ray shuts down an English-speaking community in the Diocese of Toulon, after its traditionalist Australian founder was clandestinely ordained a priest. Yeah, that's a pretty loaded headline there. And there's some facts in there, except for one problem here. We'll get to that now from the article, quote, According to the investigation conducted by LaCroix in Toulon and in Rome, the Monastère Saint-Benoît, which they put in scare quotes there, was among the new and traditionalist communities whose accompaniment or rather lack of follow-up, by Bishop Ray was judged problematic by the Holy See. The Vatican had warned the bishop to be more discerning about the new groups and candidates for priesthood that he accepts into his diocese. But the situation did not improve, and on June 2nd, it was announced that Rome had intervened and told the bishop to postpone the ordination of four priests and six deacons that were planned for June 26th. The move caused a great stir in the diocese, which extends to the French Riviera and beyond. Saint-Benoît, an independent community that is not affiliated in any way with the worldwide Benedictine Confederation, was flagged as a prime example of one of the grievances made against Bishop Ray, his extensive use of the status of quote-unquote public association of the faithful. The Holy See published a decree on June 15th, two weeks after it suspended the ordinations in Toulon, that now requires bishops to get written approval from Rome before they create such associations, end quote. See how this is all connected in here now, right? So have new public associations, which then become religious orders in a diocese now without the permission of Rome. That's one way to stifle the growth of tradition, which is growing far too quickly for the, for the tastes of those in Rome. And the article here is misleading because Bishop Ray hasn't exactly shut down the monastery. In fact, he hasn't done that at all. Technically, he can't because the monastery property is owned by a lay organization that is a nonprofit. Bishop Ray suppressed them, which means they aren't supposed to do any monastic activities, and the laity are supposed to stay far away on pain of obedience. Of course, that's not likely to happen either, since the basic law of justice applies here. LaCroix getting as much wrong as they have here isn't that surprising, all things considered, since they are the official voice of the French Conference of Catholic Bishops. This story and the statement released by the diocese earned them a public response from St. Benoit Monastery Community, and it was presumably written by Father Alcuin Reed, but it was not signed by him. It is very short, only about three minutes long. So here it is in full, so you have their side of the story. 
the statement of Father Alcuin Reed in response to news reports of a recent decree of suppression of our public association of the faithful, we wish to state the following. In our statement of 13th of May, 2022, we said that if Bishop Ray judged that we must be publicly sanctioned, we will remain here and live our vows faithfully and wait for better times. That remains our resolve. Our monastic life at Brignoles continues unabated in fidelity to our vocation, according to the vows we have taken before Almighty God. It is to be noted that the diocese has no control over the assets of the monastery, which are owned by the monastery's civil association. They will continue to be used in accordance with its objectives, established according to law and the intentions of our benefactors. The assertion made by the diocesan chancery that we have refused to meet Bishop Ray is false. Our prior has continually requested a meeting with him that we could not be present for one meeting to which we were summoned because the summons arrived the day after the meeting was scheduled and at another because the prior was outside of France on the day concerned and apologized in advance for this and again requested to meet does not constitute obstinate disobedience. The unpublished decree of suppression states that the bishop wishes to know the identity of the prelate who conferred ordinations on us so as to be able to verify their validity. As our prior has written to the bishop, a solution can be found in respect of this, but a solution cannot be found if it is not possible to meet with the bishop personally and propose it. To wait for such an opportunity to be given and repeatedly to request such an opportunity does not constitute obstinate disobedience. The Chancery's list of other motivations for this decree, including the extraordinary and unwarranted interference in this matter by an English abbot whose intentions are a tissue of lies and narcissistic rants, which must now be addressed by the appropriate authorities, are highly canonically questionable and indicates undue haste in the preparation and execution of the decree. This will be addressed in the proper forum. Our statement of the 13th of May, 2022, indicated that we took the steps we did in April in conscience, after much prayer, fasting, and consultation for the salvation of souls, and out of a substantial and grave fear that the Holy See would act against our bishop and thereby put in jeopardy our ability to continue to live our vocations. We take no pleasure at all in noting that the Holy See has indeed begun to act against our bishop, putting at risk his many worthy initiatives and the many good vocations he has welcomed. We humbly thank Almighty God for his providence in ensuring that the monastery now has the means with which to weather this storm. We place ourselves at the service of those who may need to seek refuge during it. As our prior urge on Pentecost Sunday, please join us in urgent prayer for Bishop Ray, for our diocese, and in particular, for all those whose vocations are now at risk. Dated the 21st of June, 2022. Do you see how that conflicts with the LaCroix reporting? I don't know what the truth is here, except what no side denies. That Father Reed was quote-unquote illicitly ordained by a cardinal in good standing, whose identity has not been revealed. And it was done because Bishop Ray refused to ordain Father now Father Alcuin Reed. Beyond that, the facts are in dispute. But at the crux of the issue is this. Obedience, obedience first to the men in positions of authority, and not to the deposit of faith. 1 Peter 5 published an article recently by Jose Antonio Ureta, and I hope I pronounced his name even remotely correctly, um, where he dubbed this, what we're seeing here, is the spirit of Vatican I. And his article is not really about this, but it's all part, of, part and parcel of the same thing. 
it gave the spirit of Vatican one gave us this false idea that the Holy ghost chooses the Pope. Sorry. The Holy ghost does not choose the Pope. Otherwise that would mean that the various popes in history who were judged by their peers to be severely erroneous. It would mean that the Holy ghost chose error. Think about that for a second. Or we get from that also that popes can't err. They can, they're just infallible in very specific circumstances under for very specific things. The assertion that they can't err would be news to the hierarchy who have condemned various popes as heretics in the past or as being suspected of heresy or as being scoundrels of various kinds. There have been 266 popes. A fair number of them haven't exactly been good men. Hello, Alexander VI. This isn't surprising for anyone who remembers the story of Judas Iscariot. Mr. Oretta's proposition is that the notion that we must obey the Pope in all things, regardless of their personal merit, going well beyond the prescribed limits of papal infallibility, doesn't come from Vatican II. We first saw this in the history of the church from Leo XIII, according to the article, when he ordered the French monarchist Catholics to submit to the secular state of France, despite it being an enemy of the church. This was later compounded by various acts of Benedict XV and Pius XI, leading to what Mr. Oretta calls the totalitarian rule of Francis today. This position, that we must obey the Pope in all things, even if what they're calling us to do are really terrible ideas, gets called ultramontanism. Really, it's more of a misuse of the ultramontanist position, in that the Pope has temporal power as well as theological or metaphysical power, and both need to be submitted to. But both are pretty well prescribed if you actually understand the framing of this power. That's a whole topic of its own. But I recommend the articles on Vatican I, published by 1 Peter 5 in recent days for some clarity on this issue. And I did do a video a couple of years ago now on the limits of papal infallibility. And all you got to do is go to the little search bar on my channel, look for papal infallibility, and you'll find it there, an explanation. Because most people think the Pope is infallible on all things, and it's definitely not what the church teaches. But this all relates to Father Reed's situation, because if we are told we must submit to Francis in all things, including his bizarre world ideas in Amoris Laetitia, Laudato Si, Fratelli Tutti, and random statements made in airplane, airline press conferences, then so too are we to give the same accord to the bishop. Most of the time in most things, our submission to the bishop isn't much of an issue. They rarely make demands of the faith on us, and when they do, they're typically in the right. But lately, we've seen open attacks on the traditional faith coming from the bishops. Supich and restricting the Latin Mass, Wilton Gregory is expected to do the same up in the imperial capital, and now Bishop Ray in denying a needed ordination to a religious community for fear of retribution from Rome. We do not owe obedience to error, regardless of the office held by the persons giving the order in the church error has no rights. And yes, I'm sure you can come up with examples of bishops mandating all sorts of bizarre things. And a lot of this gets more complicated when they issue statements about how we don't need to listen to what the church always taught on certain things anymore, that the church has evolved and moved on past that. And then, you know, people say, well, how dare you correct a bishop? Well, error has no rights. I'll give you a historic example to help close this out and make this a little clearer. During the crisis caused by the heretic Arius, who openly rejected dogmas about our Lord's divinity that we now take for granted, 80% of the bishops and most of the clergy followed his lead. What did the laity do? They didn't submit to their erroneous bishops, that's for sure. They prevented the bishops from entering their own cathedrals. This was like in the fourth century, bearing this in mind. Call it civil disobedience, but in the church. And they didn't submit to the errors of the heretics of their day just because they occupied offices in the church. They actively resisted them, more so than most of us do in our time. Why is that? Because they had the faith. 
and the fighting spirit that you need to have to be a good Catholic, a fighting spirit and submission to authority that has either lost its spine or is guilty of heresy are just not compatible with one another. We owe no obedience to heresy. We, know, we owe no obedience to error. And you have the duty to know the faith well enough to spot these errors when they rear their ugly heads, which is just all too often in our time. So what did you think of all this? Is Father Reed in the right in this conflict? Or is he in the wrong? If you need more information on this, I've covered this mess now in a few videos, and I recommend that you watch them for greater context. This has all happened in the last week or so that this really broke. But let me know what you think of this story and the articles from 1 Peter 5 in the comments. Please like and subscribe if you haven't, and share this video if you can on social media. All of those things really help this channel out enormously. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.